This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Did you know we have a weekly newsletter? Each Tuesday, we'll drop some encouragement and good news in your inbox. If you're looking for the latest Bible study releases, events near you, giveaways, scripture reading plans, free downloads, and more, sign up at lifeway.com forward slash women's news. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. Well, we've got some really special guests on with us today. They are not new to our audience, but uh, they haven't been on for a while. So welcome to Lindley and Ben Mandrell. Hey, good to be with you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Yeah. excited to be with you. Yeah, so we had you guys on kind of pre-pandemic before all the world shut down. So give us a little bit of update on who you are, your family, and just about your work at Lifeway. Because not everybody may know, Ben, that you're our president. So tell us a little bit about you guys. I am the president of Lifeway, and we are preparing to send our first kid to college this fall, which is the biggest thing going on in life right now for us. We just met with another couple that has recently done that, and we are like trying to figure out how that works. Um, Lifeway is going great. We are obviously in a new season. Uh, it's a new day. It's a new day for the church. It's a new day for the world. So we're figuring it out, moving in the right direction, but excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you too. And you've got other children as well. So tell us about the other, tell us about the others. Yeah. So we have four kids and we have boys that are about to be 14, 15, and then one at 16. And then we have Ava, who is our senior. Has she decided where she's going to school? Can we talk about that or are we not talking about that? Oh, no, no, we can. We just decided she's going to the University of Tennessee. Um, so she's excited about that now. We That has been a learning process for us because Ava is very intellectual and she had some she had some high hopes and those didn't come to fruition. And so we've had to deal with some disappointment in our house of of where we thought we might be going and where we are actually going. But we find it like we really do think it's kind of a blessing in disguise. And she's super excited now. She's found a roommate um, and she's really looking forward to it. So that's it's been a, it's been a really cool little process. That's so fun. It's funny because Kelly was like, do we need to ask them about uh their daughter going to college and I was like, I think they'll just bring it up. I think it'll just happen. <laughs> so yeah, you know, our whole world the last two years is learning how to speak about emotions. And uh, we just met with a couple who taught us like one, one of the most dangerous things you can tell your kid is it's okay. High school isn't awesome, but college is awesome. Oh yeah. And their daughter has gone to college and not had an awesome experience. And so it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm messing my kid up. Like what if it's I, not awesome? <laughs> I think Ben, Ben just told Ava last night, like, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when people are like, these are the best years of your life. And you're yes. just like, Oh no, is this the best? Yeah. You know, if you're not having a great time, you're like, that's not, a, that's not good news. That's not hopeful for me. Um, right. So yeah. 
as, as a mom who's been there and I've, you know, had two kids kind of go through that, I will say one had an awesome experience and one didn't have such an awesome experience. So it is kind of both. It's an either or and you just have to walk with them every step of the way. And it is it will change your prayer life. Let me just say that up front. It definitely changes the way that you pray for your kids. Yeah, we are we are learning that even through our podcasts that we've done and we've done a couple episodes on kids like we are learning how we we really can't control them and we've tried so hard and we we are having to like step out on faith that the lord's going to move in her life despite of us yeah yeah well that is the perfect podcast transition so way to go for uh, since we had you on the last time you started a podcast called the glass house so tell us about it and what you hope for your audience it's been a massive surprise it's one of those things that we struck oil on this thing. We're dry, We're just walking down the street one day, Lindley and I having lots of marriage challenges in that moment in our life. And we just made a list in our mind of all the pastors and wives we knew that were struggling emotionally. And a lot of it has to do with living your life out in the public eye. And we said, what if we just started a podcast called The Glass House? It was Lindley's idea of just I, this this notion that we're having problems and the church has problems and it's hard to focus on our problems when the church has so many problems. And as we've made this conversation public, it has just blown us away the feedback and the people reaching out saying, I thought I was the only one. Uh, Lindley, what would you add to that? Yeah, I just think, I think it's so important in this culture, this age to expose how hard people, I mean, the hard times people really are having because as we've done this episode, like it, it really is almost true that everybody, no matter what situation they're in, has a story and, and is and it has some struggles. And so, I mean, I just think people ask us about some of our topics, you know, like, was that hard to talk about? And I'm like, no, because if somebody has to talk about it, I mean, like we're, we're all it's all just this facade, because if we just continue to pretend like everything's fine, I mean, I, I fear for the future of the church. If church leaders and, you know, Ben at Lifeway don't start saying, hey, we we are committed in our marriages, but it's hard. And let's talk about it. I just I just fear for what's going to happen down the road. Yeah. And that's so helpful, I think, for people. And a lot of your episodes are specific to church leadership. But I know I've enjoyed listening to them for like the general leadership tips and the encouragement and to get to know the authors and speakers that I maybe like follow them on Twitter, but I don't know them or I don't know their spouse or something like that. And so I get to kind of know um, each of them better than I did before. So if you could recommend two episodes each, so one very ministry specific and then one for a more general audience, which two would you recommend? First of all, I just want to appreciate you saying that it really is a podcast for everybody. Um, Even though we often interview pastors and their wives, the reality is if pastors and wives struggle with this, everybody probably struggles with it in some way. So one of the episodes, I would just jump in here, episode 17 is about insecurity triggers. Mm -hmm. And I found Steve Cuss to be massively helpful in thinking through all the different insecurity triggers that happen in my life. For example, one of the things he talks about is the can we talk about something text that we get from people? (laughs) I heard that the best way to respond to that um, is to say, yes, I've been waiting to talk to you. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) And it's like both people are on the anxiety. (laughs) That's That's really good. I'm I'm writing that down right now because (laughs) oftentimes we get that text, like it's the let's meet text. And 
all of a sudden this anxiety begins to overwhelm us of, oh gosh, what did I do? What did I say? Wow. And just, I think, recognizing the insecurity. Um, Steve does an amazing job of helping people process that insecurity. I did listen to that one and I, I texted a few people and was like, this is just great leadership advice, no matter where you lead. So I, I would recommend that one as well. But Lindley, go ahead with your favorite. My favorite, just because it was really, especially, um, especially special. I'm not sure if that works together, but episode 23, it's, it's titled Good Neighbors in the Glass House, but really it's about how do we befriend our, um, our, our neighbors that don't believe the same as us? And how do we befriend unchurched people and, and help them to see that we're not scary people, we're not all judgmental people, that we really just love them? Um, so, and it was special because it was our best friends in Colorado. It was our neighbors. Um, still, they began coming to our church storyline um, with us when we were there, but they are back to being um, unchurched. They don't go regularly attending. So, I mean, still just some of our best friends that we are hoping will eventually go back to the church. Ben, did you have anything about that one? I love that episode because we literally recorded it in their kitchen. We took podcast equipment with us. We asked if they would be willing to be on a podcast. They're like, I think so. Yeah. And they were so like sweet and honest about what they thought about us when we arrived on the street that it's, it was just fun to reminisce. But also Lifeway Research says that 75% of pastors can't figure out how to get their church engaged with unchurched people. Mm-hmm. So I think it hearing them talk about what it's like to become friends with a Christian Uh, From their perspective, I think more Christians need to try to empathize with how difficult that is for people who haven't been around church before. And just the things that they don't understand, like he was talking about. And so, I mean, what was so special about that is that the saying that we always used, and we've talked about on our own podcast, is that we invite people into our lives and not a location. Mm -hmm. And then they eventually will feel comfortable going to a location. So, you know, just having that relationship with them, having them in our home, knowing their children, vacationing with them, then they trusted us enough to enter into our church building. Um, So that was just a really special podcast, in my opinion. I think that one will be especially helpful for, I mean, people everywhere, but I think I find that a lot happening in the South because there is that cultural Christianity Mm -hmm. of um, we assume that everybody around us knows what the gospel is, but that is not true anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I've talked with some people in my church, and that's one of like the biggest hangups a lot of times for those of us who live in the quote unquote Bible belt is just how do we engage our neighbors who are not, they don't go to church, they're not Christians, but they would claim that they are because of just, you know, their grandmother was, and they go to church on Easter and Christmas. And so they they do have some of the common language, but not as much of the, um, but it's not, you know, in their hearts. They don't know the gospel. Elizabeth, can I speak to that real quick? Yeah. I think one thing that's so interesting is one thing that Ben and I were really judgmental about when we moved back here was coming back to the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, we don't want to go back to the Bible Belt. We've left Colorado. But our eyes have been opened here, too, because I do think there's Bible Belt in that there are small towns that are people grew up there. They stayed there. That kind of thing that when you think about with the Bible Belt and they go to church there. But I mean, our experience in Nashville is that our neighborhood is largely unchurched. I mean, oh, both yeah, of our yeah. direct neighbors are Indian families. Um, ben just had a conversation with the ones on the left, gave them actually one of the Telugu study Bibles um, yeah. and, and they're Hindu. And so, I mean, I think that we mis- mistake all of the Bible Belt is is Bible believing. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah. So, you know, I think that's one of those things you, we talk about being marked. You know, we just had such a judgmental attitude and came back and realized that Nashville is a melting pot of so many, so many places. It definitely is. And I think that is a false assumption that we have and we've all kind of grown complacent with um, mm-hmm. in a way. But it is definitely a melting pot. And mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Talk about the episode um, 25 of Growing Up in the Glass House, because I think that probably really hits for a lot of ministry families and what that's like. Yeah, absolutely. We, we actually announce an email address on every episode, president at lifeway.com. If you have an idea for a topic, email us. This is the number one topic. Pastors and wives are trying to figure out how to not screw up their kids and still be in ministry. <laughs> And so we had Barnabas Piper on and we just asked him, like, what was it like growing up John Piper's son when some of the things that came out of his mouth were shocking, but also comforting? Like, for example, he said that they tried to do family devotions growing up. His dad would do one in the morning and one at night. And Barnabas said, I just wanted it to end. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, I feel like I feel like pastors, families get a bit of a free pass on family devotions because their kids literally live at church. If they need to do anything with their parents, it's have some fun. It's to cut loose, get away from ministry. So it was really comforting for me to hear Barnabas say that of all people, because I just assumed that I was the only one that struggled to get my kids to actually pay attention at family devotions. Uh, What about you, Lindley? Anything on Barnabas? He said something that I really loved, and I've seen in our own kids, in that a lot of times pastors' kids, they they suffer from this almost like – I don't know if dichotomy of feelings is the right word, but when they're in a Sunday school or a small group situation, they're expected to know the answer. And so when it's awkward and you're in middle school and nobody's answering, the eyes all kind of turn towards the pastor's kid. And what he said was so interesting is that it's either shame because you don't know the answer and you feel like you're letting your parent down, or it's pride because you do know the answer and you think that you're smarter than everybody else in the room. And so I think that we had not really understood, even in our own kids, like how much pride that they can take in it if they are the one every Sunday who's answering the questions and how unhealthy that can be as well. Um, so I like that part of the episode when he started kind of explaining that situation. Yeah. You know, I think about my kids and I, you know, they, they will tell you now that they enjoyed being, you know, kids when, when I was on staff. Um, but I will say even my daughter, when she got married, and they kind of started going to their own church, and she really enjoyed the fact that her last name was different, and people didn't all of a sudden know that she was my daughter. And it was about two years, like after um, after she got married, that they had a new pastor come in, and he was like, and he worked, and he used to work with me, and he he made a comment in front of everyone when he was there coming in view of a call. Um, in just one of those Q&A sessions. And he was like, yeah, I worked with Courtney's mom and da, da, da. And then it was like everybody, all eyes on her. And she wasn't embarrassed by it, but it was just like, okay, well, you know, it, it, you just want to have your own identity as a staff kid to be like, I am who I am not. It's like a big brother or big sister. You don't want to be always known as, oh, that's so-and-so sister. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a thing. You know what I think is interesting about that even is that what I love about these episodes is how they translate into other people. But I have a friend who's a teacher and she said it's hard. Her son was listening to this episode and said, I feel that as a teacher's kid. 
that, you know, my career in a school Mm -hmm. should be better because my mom works there kind of thing. And so I do think that these things can translate into all kinds of like career paths besides just ministry. Yeah. As a kid of a teacher, I would say, yes, that's true. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. No, I, I think one of my favorite episodes that y'all didn't list, but I it, I just blessed me, was the interview that mm. you did with the Reeds um, here in the Lebanon, Tennessee area, and how you know they had lost this their son um, who passed away. But what encouraged me was how their church ministered to them in a very difficult time, and I just I wept the whole time I was listening to that episode, and I just thought. Man, that's the church. That's mm-hmm. what the local church, you know, to, to love to love a ministry family. Yeah, wow. That that's, was that's a very huge. hard one to record. We were all in there crying, like trying not to I'm sniff sure. into a microphone. The story is so compelling. I mean, yeah. the doctor goes in and takes both of his kidneys. And the son, the son's, the son's kidneys. kidneys. He was only supposed to take one, and just the the anger. The, the hurt, the frustration of how could this doctor make this mistake? But what I love about the episode is the moment where they see that doctor later and they have a redemption moment with him. Like, it's an incredible episode. I appreciate you pointing that one out. Well, you know what? This this episode is coming out. I want to kind of turn just a corner here real fast um, because we are getting ready to have summer coming and a lot of churches are preparing for vacation Bible school. And we know this is something that's really near and dear to both of your hearts. Um, mm-hmm. especially you, Lindley, because you've you've worked in children's ministry for a long time. So tell us just a little bit about why VBS is so important and why you love it so much. I do love VBS. Um, I think it is the single most important event that a church can do in regards to their kids' ministry every year. And I think that it needs to be very thought through every year. Like, I think my fear is that sometimes I think churches just get into the into the pattern of what they do, but it is such an opportunity to invite unchurched people into it. It's fun. I mean, kids like to come to it because it's fun. Um, it's free childcare for a <laughs> lot of people, which I mean, yeah. I don't, I know that's funny, but like, I, I know in Colorado where we lived, it was a lot of double income families. So both parents worked and mm-hmm. They were looking for opportunities to send their kids somewhere that they didn't have to pay for. Um, I think that it's a great opportunity. I mean, my favorite part of it is the delegating beforehand because there's so much prep to Bible school. And I think we keep it inner, like inside our churches too much. Like we, I would literally have our entire street helping me like put together birdhouses. Um, like it's a, it's a great way to do evangelism because even if those people didn't come to vacation Bible school, they like to be helpful. Everybody likes to be helpful. And so we would have these big craft parties on our street for me to help our church put together stuff for vacation Bible school that I knew half those people were never going to attend, but they just, that we gave them an insight as to what we were doing. And so I just think it's such a perfect opportunity to bring people in from the outside. If you, if you are strategic about it. I would even say it this way. I'm going to say something provocative, but let me unpack it. I think churches having vacation Bible school is far more important than them having Easter services. Mm. (laughs) The reason I'm saying that is Jesus said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. The number of people who tell me that they came to Christ at a kid's event or a kid's camp is far greater, far greater than the number of people who have told me that they came to Christ at an Easter sermon. There's something about children 
and what Jesus says about do not hinder them from coming to me, that their hearts are so soft that we see this statistically. I believe the last one I saw, 90% of people come to faith in Christ before the age of 14. Wow. So any church that's not taking an opportunity to invest in kids camp or vacation Bible school or whatever you call it is missing probably the biggest kingdom opportunity. Yeah. And when I say something, when, when I say, you know, to reevaluate it yearly, I mean, I'm going to give this example again. It may sound provocative, but we didn't call it vacation Bible school because in Colorado, like they don't even understand what Bible is and school isn't fun. And so like vacation Bible school doesn't sound fun. So, I mean, I just think people can be creative and, and do the vacation Bible school material, but like present it in a way that makes people curious about it. We just, I mean, ours was just storyline kids camp. And I mean, there was nothing creative. We found that it's really hard sometimes when you have like cutesy names that people don't understand. And so it was as straightforward as possible, but it had fun marketing and it was all the logo type stuff. So, I mean, that's what brought, that's what brought the attention, not just the, what's a kids camp, you know, kind of thing. Well, when we are naming Bible studies and stuff, that's mm-hmm. one of our mottos is just like, let's just call it what it is, <laughs> like because mm-hmm. that yes. eliminates the confusion for sure. Yeah. I think one of the things I want to say to pastors and pastors' wives who might be listening to this especially is that uh, it's not enough to be a chaperone at Vacation Bible School to hang out on the back wall and think it's great that it's all happening. I think churches that are really reaching the community, the ministry family is heavily invested in the actual program. Yeah, we were going to ask you about that. It's just such a huge moment for the pastor, who a lot of people think is the serious, academic, uh, dry. Like, that's kind of the picture people have of pastors. I loved, at Vacation Bible School, putting on an elephant suit and walking around. I loved being fun. You were not the elephant. You made someone else do that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I just loved being a kid and for them to see that being a Christian is fun and it's not just an academic exercise. And so I try to encourage every pastor I know, like, man, jump in the middle of it. Yeah. Don't hang out on the back wall, be in the middle of it. It really makes a difference. I still remember my pastor growing up every year, no matter the VBS theme, no matter the Bible stories, he was always Zacchaeus. We had this really good climbing tree <laughs> in our, like uh, on our church property. <laughs> and so every year he would dress up as Zacchaeus and get in the tree and tell us the Bible story that day. Awesome. And I still remember, you know, brother Ken doing that every year. And so um, I think that is always fun. And it's so cool for the kids especially those that are in your church to see that pastor. And then I can't imagine for somebody that is not, doesn't ever come to church or just kind of knows you Ben, and knows that you're a pastor. And then they see you in an elephant suit or whatever suit you're wearing, um, having fun on stage. Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the things. And one thing that we wanted to ask you about is like, you know, people have this impression of Christians, like you kind of talked about before, Lindley. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what are some practical ways that our listeners can kind of start gospel conversations or simply love their neighbor? So it may not even at this point lead to a gospel conversation, but eventually that's the hope um, in the summer season because we're getting ready to do summer. So what are some like summer ways that we can um, invite our neighbors into our lives and into our churches or you know, to know the gospel? That is a great question. Uh, Linda, you want to jump in or you want me to? Uh, You can start. I'll piggyback off whatever you say. I just love what warm weather does to people. (laughs) Like in Colorado, the winter, when the winter was over, people came outside, they were, they were on their front porches. They were just walking the neighborhood 
is the best time to evangelize is in the summer is really get to know people. What I mean, have them over to your house. Say, hey, we're having a cookout. We're going to throw some chicken on the grill. You guys want to come over and just hang out? I say this constantly that Jesus spent most of his time dining with sinners and tax collectors, and yet we don't. Uh, so the saying Lindley and I have grabbed a hold of is, we start out as fishers of men, but we become keepers of the aquarium. And mm. what we've got to do in church life going forward is realize that our best gospel conversations are going to happen outside the church. They're going to happen in our house. They're going to happen on our street. So getting people to see their street as a mission field and not a place where I just rest before I go back to my real mission field. It's really you are your true place of impact. Yeah, I would say I agree with all of that, of course. Um, I think the thing that people need to be aware of is that everybody is extra guarded right now. Just with the way social media is, people wonder who's who's true and who's not true. And so I think the the best way to do it is just to have people into your home over and over and over again and have good conversations with them. Ask them about them. Ask them their stories. Um, tell them your story. All those things. And you will find a moment where the gospel presents itself. It happens every time. I mean, we we I had a good friend, the, another neighbor, and we probably had... We hung out all the time for a couple of years before we finally had a three-hour conversation under a tree one day, and she she brought up worldview, and she said, you know, the problem with you guys is that you moved on the street, and you made us all think about our worldview. Well, there it was. I mean, there was the there was the moment to say, I'd love to talk to you about my worldview, and so I think people just have this mentality that it's going to happen fast, and it requires so much patience, and so... Don't have someone over once or twice and then be like, now you want to go to church with me? I mean, and expect them to want yeah. to come. Like it is an ongoing pursuit for real heart change. It's not just pretending like you want to be friends. You really get, you know, it's it's developing a friendship and a relationship. It, that, yeah, that's exactly right. It's it, That's what I'm saying. It's not a pretending. It is like you, we need to be becoming friends with these people because that's what we're called to do, not because we're here to like save them. Like we're here to love them. I heard a pastor say this week, he's so good. He said, do not try to work up what God can sit down. Uh, I don't think that it's the role of us Christians to work up gospel conversations. I think if we pray, if we invest in people, if we wait for the opportunity, God initiates those conversations. We just have to be in relationship with people so they can happen. And that's, that, is, that was the story of Storyline. That's how we built our church, was just on that idea that God was going to come up, and He always did. Wow, that's really good. I think we could, those are definitely good quotes. I know our time is getting short, so I want to ask you the question, and we want to hear from both of you on this. Uh, you know, we always ask, what has marked you? But let's change it up a little bit. Um, so let's just say, what is one aspect of either maybe leading a ministry or VBS that has marked you in your walk with Christ. Ben, you want to go first? I remember the Sunday after VBS looking out and seeing countless faces that I'd never seen before because we put kids on stage to sing a bad song. <laughs> I mean, we never rehearsed. I mean, the kids learned the song all week. We just said, hey, Sunday, we're going to put you on stage to sing. They, they were falling off the stage. We had people literally holding them on. And yet grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles showed up because someone they loved was singing on the stage. It marked me because I realized that my preaching in a, as a pastor 
I thought that my thing was the main thing, that the big room was the main room. But if we look at it from a kingdom perspective, it's all of the ministry happening in those kids' rooms and those student rooms. That's the that's one of the most important things that's happening on Sunday or on Wednesday. It's not just what the adults do. It's what the kids do. And when you reach a kid, you reach a family. Uh, that marked me when I saw, when Lindley helped me see that, that when we reach kids, we reach families. It completely changed the way I thought about doing church. I mean, mine is very similar in that the thing that marked me was when I began to see people show up for VBS that I had no no idea that they'd actually come. Um, and it, so when I put, you know, when I think of unchurched people or lost people, like I just have names, have faces and names of them and, you know, just praying for them. And when those people would show up and I'd see them out there, I just would, I was marked because I just thought the Lord, look what the Lord has done because only the Lord could have this person could prick their heart to, to bring them here. Um, because we've been trying for five years and they've never showed up and all of a sudden they just showed up. And so just a, I mean, just how we try, we work so hard on our own accord to make things happen and they don't happen on our timing. And so, you know, I was just marked by the fact that God's timing always prevails and is the, is the perfect timing, even if it's not our perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, Elizabeth, I, I'm going to just ask Ben to do something that sometimes we've mm-hmm. done this before, but I'm just thinking about all the churches that are preparing and getting ready for VBS. And Ben, would you mind just like praying for our churches and praying for the kingdom impact that's about to happen? Absolutely. God, we know that there's nothing that Jesus loves more than the little children. In fact, we're warned that uh, it would be better for us to put a millstone around our neck and jump into the sea than to hinder a child from finding you. Uh, churches all over the world, all over the country are preparing the most fun week that they have all year, but more importantly, the most impactful week. So I pray, Lord, for, first of all, volunteers. In a season where it's so hard to find volunteers, God, I pray that churches would see uh, an abundance of people coming to say, let me help. Let me be a part. I pray, Lord, even for those listening, they'd be pricked in their heart to go to their church and say, how can I help out with Vacation Bible School? How can I be a part of this? It's more than just volunteering. It's investing in the future. Lord, I pray for pastors that they would feel a prick of the Holy Spirit to get more engaged with Vacation Bible School, to to see the need for their involvement, their their presence. Uh, Lord, we need to be more like little children, you tell us. We need to be in a, in a posture of humility, and we never feel more uh, human than we're having fun with kids. Uh, so, God, we pray that we'd see a massive revival begin in our country. We pray it would begin with the children, and that we begin to see hundreds of thousands of kids come to faith in Christ that would lead the next generation. God, thank you for LifeWay's ability to minister to churches here. Our I'm so proud of Spark Studios and what they've provided for the summer. I pray that it would be a life-changing resource that many churches would say uh, was a game changer for their church. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, 
Yeah, thanks so much. Um, we are just praying for our churches and praying that the Lord will just do an amazing work this summer. Um, and thank you for um, your podcast and just your transparency. And so we want to encourage our listeners to make sure that they check out The Glass House. And then also you can find BBS materials on LifeWay.com as well. So check that out. But thanks again, Ben and Lindley. We appreciate all that you do for LifeWay, for um, just for the way that you've invested in in our mm-hmm. employees and in our company. Mm-hmm. And so um, we thank you for that. You bet. And I would just say one thing to your listeners. If you, if you check out The Glass House and uh, it meets a need, we would truly love to hear from you ladies on what are some topics that would be relevant for you because we want The Glass House to continue to be relevant. One of the most difficult things in a podcast is to continue to make it fresh. And sometimes the best ideas are out there with the listeners. So we'd love to hear from you if you listen and have an idea. Awesome. That'd be great. Well, appreciate y'all again. And listeners, thank you. We appreciate you. And we hope that you'll join us again next week. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag marked podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.